All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, it's good to see the, the Rolex. Uh, welcome, welcome back from Costa Rica. Thank you for bringing Costa Rica with you uh, here. Um, <laughs> some people bring souvenirs, other people bring weather. And so thank you very much for, for bringing that. No, it's great to be here. And uh, let me just say uh, personally how blessed I have been just these last few minutes hearing you, my church family, sing praises to the Lord. It is amazing to see and to hear how uh, hot weather and humidity and, and all of these things don't affect your praises. Uh, if anything, it gives us even more reason to praise because we know that there is a God who is keeping us and who is sustaining us a God who is not going to let us go, and we're not going to let weather and no AC and all of that keep us from giving God the praise that he deserves. Amen? And so how good it is to, to hear the praises of God's people, uh, how good it is to sweat with you uh, in, in, uh, in, in our worship of our great God and our Savior. Uh, let's, let's turn in our Bibles to uh, the letter of Third John. Third John is where we are. It's fun to read these little letters, you know, the ones that kind of get lost in the mix of it all. We, we spent about two years in Paul's letter to the Romans. Praise the Lord for a letter like Romans, just this massive, dense uh, letter filled with theology and, and, and filled with, with just rich, deep truths, and praise God for letters like 3 John. Uh, much, much, much simpler. <laughs> uh, you, you can read this. Some of y'all, uh, you know, you, you um, may have some downtime and things like that. You know, you could read this in an elevator. <laughs> you, could, you could read this, you know, uh, while you're waiting for your food in the drive-thru. It's, it's a tiny, tiny letter, very, very short, and yet it packs a punch. Uh, much like all of John's letters. If you've, if you've read John's gospel, uh, John is not timid. Uh, remember, John and his brother James were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, which if they lived today, they probably would have made a really good uh, WWE tag team, uh, the, the Sons of Thunder. Uh, and, and that's John. You know, John is, is he's pretty blunt. He kind of just says it, you know, and, and, and I love that about him. And yet John also says perhaps more, I would say pound for pound, kind of, you know, just in, in terms of the, the concentrated sense of his letters, uh, he says more about the love of God in Christ than, than anyone. I mean, if you want to know love and what love is about, read John. Uh, it's just amazing. And of course, John is the one that gave us the great uh, book of the Revelation, uh, the last book of the Bible. If you're not familiar with your Bibles, uh, I'd say start there. Take your Bible, flip it upside down. You start with Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and then just move two books back. So you've got Revelation, and then you've got Jude right before, which actually we're going to be looking at Jude in a couple of weeks. We're going to be spending uh, 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 several weeks in uh, the letter of Jude. But right before Jude is this little, little teeny 15-verse letter, 3 John. 
I, I hope that I've given you all enough time to get there. When you're there, say I'm there. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Third John is where we are, and I'm just going to read the letter. We're only going to focus on half of the letter today, but I want to read the whole letter just to give you a sense, of flavor of what's going on here. Third John, beginning of verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the truth, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. And that's the letter, the letter of 3 John. In the first century, and even in uh, going on into the many centuries after, this is what we would gather to do. We would gather, not in an auditorium like this, we would probably gather in someone's home, it's kind of like the brick house down the street, we would all gather together and somebody would stand up and they would read the, a book of the Bible. They would read a letter like this. Of course, on a day like this, you probably hope that it's not Psalms, uh, but they would read you know, through a book of the Bible like this and we would hear it and we would uh, meditate on it and it would well, kind of stay with us as we would go. And so let's pray that God would do that God would indeed, uh, and now that we've heard the scriptures, that God would make it clear to us so that we could explain, uh, we, could, we could live it, and, and we could apply it into our everyday lives. Let's pray. So, Father, I ask just that, that you who gave us this letter, the letter of 3 John, that you would speak to us, that you would make this plain to us. That it would not just be words on a page, but that it would become our pulse, our very heartbeat. 
that we would leave from here with 3 John on our minds and in our hearts and that it would seep into every crack and crevice of our lives. You spoke and light existed. You spoke and the world and the heavens were made. And so, Father, speak and recreate us. Make all things new. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember back when the kids were younger, they used to love this one TV show called Wonder Pets. How many of you all know the show Wonder Pets? All right. Yeah, it's a good one. For those of you who, who maybe your kids were a little are a little bit older and so on, you probably missed the uh, the Wonder Pets uh, uh, wave. But but they were these little teeny kind of baby animals, you know, and so on. And and they had um, uh, missions. Every episode they had a mission, and and they had this kind of rally cry that they would say in every episode. They they realized that the only way that they were going to get this thing to uh, uh, to accomplish Accomplished as if they worked together. And so they would say together, what's going to work? Anybody know? Teamwork. Teamwork. Yeah, that's what they would say. What's going to work? Teamwork. And they would say that. And I remember hearing that because for whatever reason, every time they wanted to watch it, it would be like a Wonder Pets marathon. Um, and so it would just be countless episodes of what's going to work? Teamwork. And I think that that rally cry is so appropriate for this letter. What's going to work? Teamwork. We are in a very tribalized era. We're watching as our world is unraveling. Aren't you seeing it? You see it in politics, you know? You, you, you have this whiplash where you, there was a time where you could say this party was about this and this party was about that and we're sitting and watching as they're unraveling right before our eyes. As what it used to be about isn't what, it, what it's about anymore. It's about other things and you're just going, what's happening right now? You, you probably feel that unraveling. Last couple of years, you've felt the unraveling of society. Where, where it was one thing where you could, you'd have neighbors and, and, and we'd be friends or you'd have family gatherings and we would be family together. And, and now there are all these things that are separating us and all these alternative ways to identify ourselves and we disagree over so many things. It's unraveling. We even see this in our churches uh, we, we've seen, you know, where folks will have some type of agenda and, and they want that agenda to be the thing that the church is about, right? And, 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 and so what happens is now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're feeling these clashes of, of ideas and ideologies and values and, and all of that. And you're seeing churches and denominations that are defecting. Uh, the Southern Baptists uh, recently uh, made us a, a position on 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 uh, uh, women pastors and things like that, and even before have taken other stands. And there are churches that have said we we're not about that, and we 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 want to do something different. And so they've left, and you see the unraveling. The United Methodist Church right now, I believe I heard the number was something like six thousand churches uh, in the uh, United Methodist Church are breaking off and starting another denomination the global Methodist church, all because the United Methodist Church has uh, over the years 
years has been more and more adopting pro-LGBTQ stances and positions and things like that. And you've got other Methodist churches that are saying, well, that's not what we're about. We want to teach what the Bible teaches and so on. And so now they're breaking off. And we're just seeing this unraveling that's happening unraveling over ideas, unraveling over very important doctrines, even unraveling over just overall jerkishness, right? You know, it was a time where we could all gather together and we could love one another or at the very least be nice, <laughs> right? And, and what's happened? Well, now you have folks that are a little bit more on edge and a little more prickly and, 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 and they're just, you know, and you just see folks uh, getting upset over little tiny things. You, you may experience that even in your home. You know, you may be sitting around and watching TV and somebody turned to a channel that you didn't want to see or you were watching the program before and all of a sudden, boom, here comes Vesuvius, right? It's just this eruption of, of emotions and all of that and you're just like, dude, just, just turn the channel, just chill. You know, what is happening? Unraveling is what's happening. We're living in a world where, where we're finding it more and more difficult to get along more and more difficult to work together, more and more difficult to see teamwork. And yet, we see in 3 John a vision of what gospel-focused teamwork looks like. What does it look like to work together? What's it look like to work it out? What is it that could keep us all together? What's the glue that can hold us together as everything seems to be unraveling all around us? What, what are the things that, that really hold us together? What's the glue that can help us stick when everything else is pulling apart at the seams? It seems that John is saying here in 3 John, this third letter, that what holds us together is the truth. It's the truth. I, I got I to clarify what he means when he says truth, because, of course, we know in our world everybody is using that word, and they don't really use it appropriately. So what do we mean when we say truth? What does John mean when he says truth? Well, when he talks about the truth, he is speaking primarily about a person. If you go back to his gospel, the gospel of John in John 14, it says in there, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, Jesus says that he himself is the truth. He is the one that, that helps us to make sense of everything around us. Apart from him is lies. Apart from him is deception. Apart from him is error and, and, and misdirection and all of that. But only through him are we able to make good sense of ourselves in the world that is around us. This truth also concerns not just who he is, but it also concerns what he has done. Jesus came and he put on flesh, John 1.14 says, and he dwelled among us and we beheld his glory, glory as the only one from the Father, full of grace and truth. He would say later on to his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father because I have come to show off in my person and in my personality and in my works who the Father is. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, amen? 
But Jesus also came not just to reveal God, but he also came to be a sacrifice for us. Jesus came and lived a perfect life, a life that we have already screwed up. We screwed up right around the age of birth. Right. And 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 since then, we've been living our lives, making a mess of things, living for ourselves and not for others, living for ourselves and not for the one who created us. And because of that, the punishment for our rebellion, because all of that is rebellion, the punishment for that is death. The punishment for that is the curse of eternity separated from God. But God sent his son who lived the life that we could not live, who gave himself up in payment for us. He took our place dying for the death that we should have died, suffering the wrath of God that we should have suffered. And because of all of that, if you trust in Jesus, you will be saved. Let me get my water real quick. If you trust in Jesus, you will be saved. You won't have to pay the penalty of God's wrath because Jesus already did. Yeah, that was, that was where you was in certain amen. Um, Jesus, uh, <laughs> Jesus uh, suffered God's wrath so that you don't have to. Jesus lived the righteousness, the perfection, so that you don't have to be perfect anymore. You're not living trying to be this perfect you or anything like that. You've already failed in doing that. Rather, you trust in the only perfect one and trust that God will charge his perfection to your account so that when he looks at you, he sees the perfection of his son and says, you are my perfect son. You say, how does that make sense? How am I righteous? You're righteous because you're in him. You're righteous because his righteousness is now your own. You live because his life is now your own. You have died with Christ. And three days later, Jesus from the grave rose to life, never to die again. Not only have we died with Christ, but we have now been raised with Christ. And Ephesians would say, we sit where Jesus sits right now, which is at the right hand of God, far above all rule and power and authority, not only in this life, but in the life to come. That's where you currently sit. That is your residence. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. Trust in Jesus. Embrace this reality that we call the truth. Any other way of living is a lie. Any other way of living is a lie. You say, I'm going to try and do it myself. You can't. You're lying to yourself. You say, well, well, I'm going to I'm going to try and 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 be my bet. You can't. You're lying to yourself. Well, I, I don't believe that there's a God. You're lying to yourself. All other ways are lies. There is one true way. And his name is Jesus. Well, not only do we talk about the truth of his person and the truth of his works, but we also talk about the truth of his ways. Why do we say that? Well, because Jesus didn't just live a perfect life so that his record would be charged to our accounts. That's good news, but it goes further than that. Jesus lived to show us what it means to live rightly before God. And summing up all of Jesus's ways, all of his character and everything can be rolled up into one word, and that word is love. Love. 
Not only when we trust Christ are we trusting that he is who he says he is, and not only are we trusting that his sacrifice and his death and resurrection are sufficient for our salvation, but we trust that his way of life is the right way of life. We love as he loves. We love as he has shown his love towards us. That's what it means. So all of this is rolled up in what John says, or what John calls the truth. The question is, is this truth good enough to hold us together? Is the person, the works, the ways of Jesus able to hold us together when everything around us is unraveling? How are we going to get this message out to everybody else? How are we going to live this well? How are we going to embrace this and be faithful all the way to the end? Well, from those great theologians, the Wonder Pets, what's going to work? Teamwork is how it's going to work. So let's look at this letter here. John is writing to a man named Gaius. You see there in verse 1, the elder, that's John's word for himself, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. We're going to look at the first eight verses here of what he says to this man Gaius. And as we read this, we're going to learn something about this teamwork, having this teamwork around the truth and what it looks like when we are teaming up around the truth about Jesus. The first thing we're going to see is when, when people are walking in this truth, it should cause us to celebrate them. We, we should celebrate those who are walking in the truth. Celebrate them like their teammates. Look at what he says. He says, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. He says, I love you, and I love you in the truth. I'm not going away from the gospel in order to love you. It's actually in the truth of Jesus and so on that I love you, and I love you deeply. And I just wanted to let you know that love is found here. Not only that, but he says, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Notice, when we are celebrating those who are walking in the truth, we are, we are also longing for their well-being. Do you see that? Because I pray that all may go well with you. You may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. When you see those who are, who, are, who are growing in Christ, when you see folks who are embracing the truths about Jesus, you, you want to see things go well for them. Uh, think about missionaries that are all over our world that are suffering in really hard places, war-torn areas and, and maybe impoverished areas and, and so on. And, and, and as you are there and you see their faith flourish, don't you find yourself wanting to pray for them a little bit more? And just saying, Lord, would you take care of them? Would you provide for their needs? Think about even in our own church home, in our own church family. Uh, think about the needs that you hear about in your community groups. And you see their faith, and you see them walking in Christ, and, and you see how the Spirit is moving in their lives, and you say, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them. They're not feeling well right now. Would you, would you make sure that they're in good health, Lord? Would you take away the infirmaries, take away the viruses, take away these things, Lord, that they may go well? Why? Not just because I want to see them physically well, but because I know what that will do to their faith. 
and strengthening and, 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 and kind of kicking up their faith a couple more notches. And, and I want to see them flourish in Christ, Lord. So would you please heal them and take care of them? You see what's going on here? He says, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Maybe I should take, take a step back a little bit because, because this may come a, uh, bump up against one of our kind of cultural uh, uh, presuppositions and so forth. Uh, we, we have this idea, especially as Christians, that the only thing that matters is, is our spiritual selves. You may hear people say that, right? That, 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 you know, my soul is doing fine, and we may pray for each other's souls and things like that, but then when there are physical needs that are going on, we, we have a tendency to minimize those things as if those things don't matter as much as the spiritual needs and so on. That doesn't seem to be what John is doing here. It seems that John is as concerned about the physical well-being of Gaius as he is the spiritual well-being of Gaius. Why? Well, for starters, because there's no disconnect. By the way, that's what makes death so brutal. Because death separates what should not be separated, namely our bodies and our souls. They were made to be fused together and death violently rips them apart. So that when people say, oh, it's okay, you know, he's no longer fighting any, anymore, or the battle is over, or they're able to rest now, and, and so on. There's some truth to that, but please understand the battle is not over because now there is a part of me that is in the grave, and there's a part of me that is in the presence of God, and that's not what redemption is. Redemption is the resurrection of my body, to be rejoined with my soul so that all of me will experience in full the salvation of my God. That's the good news. And so John here is, is, uh, is concerned about the physical well-being of Gaius and so on. If you remember what we talked about in 2 John, if Jesus is still in his body, if Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, humanly, physically, bodily, if, he, if his resurrection wasn't just a resurrection of his soul, as if he's now Casper the friendly ghost going all around town, but now he is actually in his physical body glorified in the heavens then that is the roadmap for us who are in Christ as well and so John is able to care for the physical needs of his brother Gaius because he understands that redemption involves the whole person not just the spiritual is this making sense for us I'll keep going. So he, he says that, uh, that, that he prays for these things. And notice he says in verse 3, I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You notice in verse 1, I rejoiced greatly. Verse 4, I have no greater joy. He's celebrating that these, uh, that, that not just Gaius, but the, but the church family that is there with Gaius he says I see them walking in the truth and oh my goodness that makes me so excited he cares for the physical needs of Gaius and he also celebrates and rejoices to see that they are walking in the truth about Jesus spiritual needs physical needs he sees them all and he is overwhelmed with love and joy and affection 
question, is that how you are? I see kids that are, that are here. Is that how you are with your brothers and your sisters? Do you care when, they, when you see them walking in the truth? When they're worshiping the Lord, do you encourage them? Believe me, I understand because my house is, is overrun with kids. And, 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 I, and I know what it's like when we say, hey, you know, um, look at this person. Look at so-and-so. Do you see how so-and-so, did you hear how they responded? They responded in a way that glorifies Jesus. Hey, let's praise the Lord that they're worshiping, that they're worshiping him and obeying Jesus and so on. And the response that we tend to get is, yeah, that, that is the response. Like, that was it, like, in, in total <laughs> with that. It's weird, isn't it? You know, it's weird to, to encourage others in their walk with Christ. It's, it's, it's kind of weird to say, hey, I see what Jesus is doing in your heart. I see what Jesus is doing in your speech. I see what Jesus is doing in your temperament and things like that. And let me just say, it is just so encouraging to see what the Lord is doing. I find no greater joy in that. That's weird. And yet that's exactly where the Lord wants us to be. We're enjoying seeing each other's progress in the faith. Where we're enjoying the victories that people are having in their lives as they're trusting in Jesus and serving him well. That's, that's good news. And it should be something that thrills our hearts to see. When people are walking in the truth, when we are teaming up together in the gospel, we celebrate when those are walking in the truth. We celebrate what they're doing. But not only do we celebrate them, but we also support them. Look at verse 5. He says, Beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love for the church. He says, you'll do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So notice there, there are these brothers, they're probably the same brothers that came and testified to John of, of their truth in verse 3. Um, and, and so now he says, because they're there in, uh, in, in Gaius' town, they're, uh, remember Pastor Hunter said yesterday, there was no, or yesterday, last week, there was no Airbnb, there's no Verbo, there's none of these types of things. They're traveling around sharing the gospel, and they are trusting that there are believers that are in in these towns where they're visiting that are able to give them lodging and are showing hospitality to them and everything. Long before Airbnb, long before Verbo, there was the church. And God used the church to be these lodging areas for all of these traveling evangelists and Bible teachers and so on. And so here they are, they're uh, there with Gaius and his church family. And notice John calls them brothers in verse 5. He also does in verse 3. But, but then he calls them in verse 5, strangers as they are. Now, how can they be brothers and yet strangers? Well, what he means here is they are brothers in the sense that they are a part of the family of God. They trust in Jesus. They share the same good news as we do. God is their father just as God is our father. Jesus is their Lord just as he's our Lord. And so we have that familial connection there. But they are strangers in the sense that they are coming from outside of the church family. Okay? They're not a part of our local gathering. So we don't know them very well. 
Gaius doesn't know them very well. They're not familiar with them. They don't see them every time they come together. They're not in their small groups or anything like that. They're strangers. They're travelers. Okay? And he says here that it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. In other words, when they came into town, uh, they testified to John about the love that they received from Gaius and the church family when they were in town. And now he says in verse, uh, in verse 6, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Note, they came into town, uh, they were loved well, and now he says, as you send them away, love them on their way out as well. Pay for their, for their future lodging, give them food that they need for the travel, give them enough water, and so on. You know, uh, 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 make sure that they are sent off very well. Why? Verse 7, for they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. They are going, not go, uh, getting any work or anything like that. They're not, they don't have side jobs or anything from the Gentiles, from unbelievers. They're going trusting that God will provide for them through his people. So he says in verse 8, Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. This is what we do. This is what we do. Remember, we talked about the tribalism of our day. You have folks that are, you know, uh, like we said, political tribes and so on. You have folks where only, I only like Republicans. If you're a Democrat, you're dead to me, right? You have others. I, we only support Democrats. You know, the, the GOP is not for me, you know, or whatever, you know, and you have all these political tribes. You have folks that are that are even uh, denominational tribes, you know. Well, th we are Southern Baptist, right? And only Southern Baptists say it that way, right? You don't, you don't hear any other denomination. It was Southern Baptist. Baptist, you know, that's who we are. And, we, and, and, and if you're not Southern Baptist, if you don't support seminaries, if you don't support LifeWay, if you don't support all these different things, we don't even know how you function in life. You know, this is the only thing that exists. And, and we've got these denominational tribes and so on too. You've got cultural tribes, you've got uh, uh, ethnic and class tribes and all these different tribes that are going on. And it's easy for a local church like ours to get sucked into that as well. We only care about the things that TCC is doing. Nothing else matters. It's like we're the only church that exists, right? I mean, we're here and we're doing things and we're serving the Lord and everything is great. And it's easy to get into that tunnel vision where the only thing that you see is what we do. And we don't really care that much about what God's doing abroad, and that's why I love my church family. Because we have a, a culture that we've established here where we say we're going to work really, really hard to join in with what God is doing around us and what God is doing beyond us and so forth. We've got a group that is coming back from Moldova. I still have to find Moldova on the map. I, I, I that thing, and, um, and so I apologize for that. I know it exists, I know it's there, I know it's near Ukraine. 
I've been to Ukraine and I still have to find Ukraine on the map. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of weird. But, but, you know, but hey, God is doing amazing things there. Hey, why don't we support what God is doing there and bless them in their work? Because what they're doing is for the sake of the name. You see what's going on there? How about, how about we praise the Lord for what he's doing through TCT and, 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 and the churches that God is planting and raising up and, and disciples that are being made all over the nation. Hey, praise the Lord for what he's doing in those churches. Let's support them and let's praise the Lord for that. There are efforts that are going on here in the triangle, folks who are serving the Lord. Let's, let's go. We've got their back. We're supporting them in their efforts as they're seeking to help those who are in need and seeking to, uh, to get the gospel beyond these four walls. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. Do you see what God's doing? God is connecting us to people and to a cause that is bigger than us. That's what the gospel does. The kingdom is not this. <laughs> this is just an outpost of the kingdom. The kingdom is way bigger than you can imagine. And any way that we can get in on it, any way that we can jump on the bus and say, hey, how can we help? How can we keep working? That's what we do. I'm so grateful that you have already caught on to that. And in so many different ways, many of you are serving the Lord in ways that we may not even know about. And yet you're serving him week in and week out, living out and supporting those who are who are uh, who are pursuing and 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 serving the name of Jesus Christ that's an awesome thing that God is doing among you that's the teamwork that John is talking about here he says therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth you say i'm not able to uh, to do all of the things i can't meet all of the needs in our community. I can't meet all of the needs globally. There's, there's billions of people who still have yet to hear the gospel, and I don't have the capacity to translate the Bible in all of their different languages, let alone travel over and devote my life to all of the different tribes and nations and people groups and so on. I can't do all of that. God's not calling you to do all of that. Check this. When you pray for those who are able to do it, and when you support them, helping them out financially or whatever way that you possibly can, John says you are a fellow worker for the truth. You're on the team. <laughs> You've got a jersey. You are actually joining in in this work of, the, of getting the name of Christ to the ends of the ages. Isn't that an amazing thing? And so he says here we celebrate those who are working in the truth, walking in the truth, and also we support those who are working for the truth. This is what we do. This is what we do. Um, there may be some of you who are uh, perhaps you know, disconnected. You don't know what God is doing uh, in, in all of the world. Uh, maybe you're not interested. Maybe you've got so much going on on your plate and so much uh, in your own life that it's hard for you to see beyond all of that. Well, recognize what God is doing even with us as a church. Look at the groups that God has given us in terms of our community groups and so on. Look at the ways that we have connected with one another. Maybe you're not connected in, in that way. Maybe you should be connected in that way. Maybe you should find a community group where you can get connected and get uh, brought in and so on and have folks who are praying for you, folks who are walking with you in this life. Why? Because that's what's going to work. Teamwork. 
maybe you are, are not connected with what, what the needs are in the church or even beyond in our community and so on. Well, why don't you get connected and say, how can I help? How can I support? How can I celebrate what God is doing? Why? Because what's going to work? Teamwork. And even in terms of missions and the needs that are going on all over the world, we have folks that are here that, that, are, that are on the ground, folks that have their ear to the ground are connected with what God is doing. Hey, why don't you get connected too? Include the nations in your family prayers. Uh, include the needs of our church in your family prayers. Uh, why? Because what's going to work? Teamwork. When we're on the same team, we wind up celebrating each other. When we're on the same team, we wind up supporting each other and going even beyond to celebrate those who aren't a part of our family and supporting those who aren't a part of our immediate family because they're a part of the big family, God's big family. And we want to see his name praised in all the earth, no matter who he raises up to do so. Amen? Amen. So, as our great Wonder Pet family have told us, <laughs> uh, what's going to work is teamwork. And the good news is they didn't invent that. That has been the plan of God all along for his church. And so let's go in truth, sharing the truth together, celebrating one another, supporting one another, that the name of our great Lord and his fame may spread beyond these four walls to the ends of the earth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And so, Father, I ask that you would do indeed just that that you would work in us and through us to celebrate and to support those who are walking and working in the truth. You have given us good news, and this good news is cultivating a family that goes beyond tribal identities and all of these things. You are building a family that is bigger than us, and so I pray, Lord, that we would, by your grace, get in on this. That we as a church would continue to support what you are doing um, beyond our own capacity. And that you would cultivate in us lives of men, women, boys and girls who just live this way. Because we're not concerned about our own interests. We're not concerned about our own agendas. We're concerned about one thing above all. And that is that your name be praised in all the earth. So, Father, I pray that with your spirit-produced teamwork, we would be about this. And we would be faithful as fellow workers for the truth until you call us home. Do great things, Lord. I pray that if there is anyone that is here that does not trust Christ as their Savior... I pray, Lord, that they would see what you are doing and that you would stir in their hearts a longing to be a part of this. That they would not be left for themselves living lies, but that they would embrace the truth about Jesus and that they would get in on this great family that you are cultivating. Do great things, Lord. Do great things. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.